following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's one power strong enough to break the cycle of addiction and incarceration. One name that restores and redeems hearts. One true Savior. This is Prison Transformation Radio. Stories of chains broken and hearts restored. Here are your hosts, Jim Moore and Pastor Dwight Anderson. Welcome, church. This is Jim Moore, one of your hosts, and we are Prison Transformation Radio, part of the Twin Cities Christian Voice on AM 980 The Mission. And we have a special program today, Pastor Dwight. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to A dear friend of yours and, and somebody I admire a great deal, too, is the Minnesota Department of Corrections Commissioner. Mm-hmm. Tom Roy, and we've been looking forward for this for a while, and we also have a gift from the DOC to the community, which is a special conference in November, mm-hmm. and we'll give you some details on that, but it's just a wonderful opportunity for Tom to give a heartfelt thank you to the church community, because many, many, many of us are engaged not only in prison, but in the community-based reentry programs, right. but we're also hoping to maybe plant some seeds with some of you yes. who've been considering either doing mentoring or volunteering work in prison mm-hmm. or in the comfort of your own church and community, welcoming people who are trying to restart their lives. Amen. So right. so you've uh, been a big part of this show and putting it together. Tell us a little bit to kind of set the stage about your experience with Tom and, and the work your work in the DOC. Yeah. What's it like working on the inside, Pastor? Well, my name is Pastor Dwight Anderson. Yeah. I'm the director of uh, Prison Mission Association. You're the director of the R3 Collaborative. I am. Still well, you didn't introduce that. yourself either. No, so I'm no, just, I'm, you in know. case people don't know you. Yeah, I'm still here. <clears throat> And um, I'm Prison Mission Association, actually part of the R3 Collaborative, which yeah. is about a thousand individuals and members, organizations that are all helping people that are coming out of prison to help them get jobs, yeah. and housing, training, and things like that. So what we do at Prison Mission Association, we provide free Bible correspondence courses, both in English and in Spanish, all across the country, actually. We have in all 50 states. We have over 32,000 students, and they can earn college credit. And so we go into the prisons during like transitional fairs, and that's really how I got connected with Tom Roy. Actually, I heard him speak, it was a couple, several years ago, actually. You might not even remember, but I heard you speak at a, at a, at a banquet thing. Anyway, and I'd met you, and you, you told me I should be going to the, the transition fairs and, yeah. and explain to me the opportunity for us to, to really get face-to-face with these guys and the women and let them know that God loves them, that God cares for them, and there's hope. And uh, their life isn't all washed up because a lot of these guys, they just think they have no hope and they don't really know where to go or how to get help. And I can relate with that because I come from a prison of addiction, which is why we talk about coming out of treatment and coming out of prison. There's a lot of commonality in that. Yes. So this is a great opportunity for us to connect and working with the DOC, they allow us to come in and, and vendors from all kinds of areas of, of work, uh, employment opportunities will come in there, uh, uh, housing, because you gotta get housing, and mentoring, uh, all these different things that they need when they come out of prison, they have them at the transitional fairs. Yeah, and one of the cool things is that Minnesota is like the cutting edge on a lot of these ideas because, as I said, my, my ministry is nationwide. And I, so I go to these different states and I say, when's your transition fairs? Or I'd like to go, oh, what's a transition fair? And a lot of these places don't even know what I'm trying to explain to them. Well, you should have these. <laughs> but Minnesota's already got that. And so we'd love to hear 
from Tom Roy as well about all the different things that the Minnesota has kind of initiated with prison reform and policies that has really, I think, really had helped with Minnesota bringing down that recidivism rate. Yeah. And this, uh, by the way, you're listening again to Prison Transformation Radio in case you're in and out of your car on a Saturday. Yes. And if you miss anything from this show or you want to share it, am980themission.com. Go there and you'll find the podcast page. Click on Prison Transformation Radio and Tom Roy will be right there at the top of the list and you can get the details. Just a little detail on this conference and then I'll, yes. I'll do it at the end of the show too. Once a year, as I mentioned, the Minnesota Department of Corrections sponsors a free all-day conference. And this is uh, partnered with the Midwest Mentoring Collaborative, but also our three prison mission, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, a host of recovery reentry organizations come together for a day. It's going to be at Bethlehem Baptist downtown. Mm-hmm. Again, the date is going to be November 8th, uh, 830. Uh, come and get a snack with us. We'll get the day going. Uh, the opening speaker will be Ron Solheide, the Minnesota Department of Corrections uh, Deputy Commissioner. And by the way, next Saturday, Ron will be on Prison Transformation yeah, Radio yes. talking more about that. We have a national speaker, uh, a survivor of trauma, mm-hmm. and someone who's not only survived trauma, but it's a good example. Somebody once said that hurt people hurt people. Yes, that's true. But also hurt people help people. That's true. If they can heal that trauma and resolve it. Now she's a brilliant international speaker, mm-hmm. Tonya Kane. She's going to be telling her story from... From heartbreak to how she healed it, Dr. Blee, he's a, a, a doctor, a trauma surgeon who has had so much experience. Uh, again, Ron speaking, uh, John Turnipseed, mm-hmm. the, the author of Bloodline yes. and also the, the featured person in the Lifeblood prison curriculum. Yeah. That is actually taught within prison. So I, I won't belabor that much, but it's free. And here's a real easy way to access it. It's an Eventbrite event. So if you're like me and you're not too savvy, that's just an easy way online to get tickets, in this case, free tickets. Right. So Google Moving Beyond Trauma Eventbrite. Okay. Moving Beyond Trauma Eventbrite. The flyer will come up. And just click on registering because we need to know how many people to expect. So and the DOC so is giving us lunch too, right? Oh yeah, giving yeah. us lunch, so and you know, great, oh, it's going to be a wonderful it's, day. It's so, wonderful. so part of today is you know that's coming up in a couple of weeks, folks. So we want to invite you. To right, it. very good. Well, without further ado, we want to introduce Tom Roy, who is the commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Corrections. And uh, Tom, we'd love to hear a little bit about how you. Um, a little bit of background, a backstory, or maybe of how you got involved in this. Because not everybody is, is drawn to the correctional uh, business. I, I don't know if it's called business. But it's hard work. <laughs> it's I've hard work. It yes. takes a heart to do this it work. It does. You need a special yeah. heart for that. So we're looking forward to that. And we want to honor you, too, actually, because actually you, you mentioned in a comment you've been doing this for 43 years. So It, we, it is. Uh... We want to honor you and get, just say thank you for that long hard work that you've been doing for since many, many years, and you've really initiated a lot of wonderful things and programs here in Minnesota. So we want to just say thank you to you. So welcome, Commissioner. Yes. Thank you, guys. Uh, Dwight and Jim, thanks. This is an opportunity to speak to an audience that's very important to me and very important to the department. Um, And I'll speak to that directly. Uh, As a department, we recognize that the work we do 
in the lives of many is just temporary work. Over 90% of our folks return to the community and often they don't return healed. Mm. And some people perceive that a prison sentence uh, provides an environment where when people walk out the door, they're ready to get back into life. Mm. Unfortunately, that is often not the case. It's not easy. By the time we get people in our doors, many of them have had years and years of uh, trauma, and that's the word that you just mentioned. They have started life in a way that doesn't necessarily give them good health, and over 90% of our folks are dealing with some form of chemical abuse or addiction, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and many are coming out of childhoods and life experiences that really have not lent them selves to a uh, positive view of life. So we get people temporarily, most of our people, and the work needs to continue once they're released. And the work often is with the faith community. It is with nonprofits who offer housing and, and job referral and job preparation. And that work is really the essence of success. Without it, too many of our folks fail. Mm-hmm. And unless our folks leave with some security, and that security is a roof over their head, and it's a way to pay their bills in mm-hmm. terms of a job, and it's friendship and s- social connections and Mentors. Un- and yeah. mentors, very, very important. And we have found that the mentorship that is offered through the faith community is one of the strongest connections that our folks can have. One of my responsibilities is to do parole hearings for life-sentenced individuals, and we have about 300 that have... Uh, the potential for parole right now. And most of those have been in between 25 and 30, 35 years. And having spent that much time in prison, they often lose real positive connections in the community. Families have sometimes died off. Friends have abandoned them. And some have absolutely no social connections whatsoever. So the the mentor relationship that they develop is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And at, at those life parole hearings, often the keystone for a decision to release somebody is the relationship that they have with those in the community. And that's actually part of their release plan. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have that kind of relationship established, it's very, very difficult for them to succeed. Yeah, they're not ready. Yeah. So many, many thanks to the folks, and I'm sure there some listeners right now have come into our prisons. We have hundreds of people that come in uh, at our Stillwater facility. We have an annual uh, volunteer appreciation dinner, and hundreds show up for mm-hmm. that. And it's a very meaningful, meaningful event 
and it's an opportunity for us to recognize the good work that they do. So you asked me the question, how did I get involved in this Yeah, business? on the personal side, why, why did you, yeah. what initiated We like that? stories, yeah, we particularly know. with a lot of heart. And you it, got a lot of heart. If I, if I can remember 48 years ago, I was a college student in the early 70s at the University of Minnesota. And I had a, still have a very important person in my life, and that's my older sister. She's 11 years older than me. And she was a nurse at Stillwater State Prison hmm. while I was in college. And I was uh, a drifting college student. I, I readily admit that. I, if you recall those times, old guys. I, mm -hmm. those I were, was thinking back. I was thinking those back. were some heavy days in our country yeah. during the Vietnam War. Yeah. And uh, 68 was a Democratic National Convention. Kent, Kent State deeply affected yeah. me. And I, uh, for a period in my life, I was drifting, no question about it. And my big sister came to the rescue, and I, she, with her suggestion, I took some... Uh, college classes and she said Tommy boy keep taking those classes and you might like working in corrections and mm. so in 1975 I started as a, a pre-trial release officer in Duluth Minnesota and when people think of corrections they often think that corrections people put people into facilities well my first job was to get people out of the county jail, and those were people, poor people, that couldn't afford to put up bail. Mm. And back then, the federal government recognized that many of the people filling jails were those that couldn't afford to put up bail, right. and they recognized that injustice. So for the first three years of my career, I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of freshly arraigned individuals who were charged with felonies and misdemeanors and I would make a recommendation to the judge after arraignment that they were a good risk to be released without bail or they were not and that uh, was really important work back then and it really set the stage for the rest of my career because I saw the impact that the jail experience had on people mm -hmm. and the injustice of having poor people filling our jail. Um, I moved through a series of jobs, worked in my hometown, my home county for most of my career uh, as a probation parole officer in the community corrections area of corrections. So be, up until I became commissioner, I was not a prison guy. Hmm. I, I was a community corrections person, and then the whole philosophy behind community corrections is that you don't need to take people away from their homes, their jobs, their family to do a good correctional intervention, hmm. that you could do that work with treatment, with job referral, okay. and maybe a short period of incarceration. Mm -hmm. And the when that philosophy was adopted in Minnesota, it moved away from the traditional send them to state prison, then send them home to fail. 
Yeah. yeah. And to this day, the Community Corrections Act in Minnesota is alive and well. That's, and that's not good. many people know this, but about 75% of felons in this state are supervised in the community corrections world. Hmm. And that's within the counties. Wow. And they, people that go into that system uh, are sent there through the sentencing guidelines that we have that are pretty strict. You can't go to prison unless the guidelines suggest it. Mm-hmm. And the judges follow that pretty closely. So in Minnesota, uh, the vast majority of people accused of serious crimes do not come to prison. Hmm. And women especially, only about 10% come to prison. Wow. So Minnesota has adopted a this community corrections philosophy that has really impacted people's lives positively. Because coming out of a prison with that hanging over you, is it's a tough go. They call it the second prison, don't they? Yep. And what we call those officially, that they face collateral consequences, mm-hmm. which means beyond the felony conviction, they carry a stigma that is tough to overcome and yeah. with employers, with Housing. landlords. Yeah. And we, uh, and it, there is a percentage of people that have legitimate, we should have legitimate concerns about, but I think if we join as a community and support people coming out with po- pro-social activities, getting involved in the church, mm-hmm. getting involved in social activities that add positively to their lives, then we'll have more success. And I, I just want to add on top of that, the R3 Collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, we are really nothing other than a network. But Commissioner, we have 500, not just ministries, recovery organizations, people with a heart for it. Mm-hmm. And so not only are there opportunities inside of prison to volunteer, you might want to, they want, people might want to start in reentry and in the community. We like to call it meeting them at the gates. So I just want people to know, and please go to r3collaborative.org. You'll see a list of mentoring opportunities. You'll see under resources, a list of jail and prison ministries. And so if you got an itch folks out there to get involved, there are so many opportunities. We need that. If you just tuned in, you're listening to AM 980, The Mission, and our show is called Prison Transformation Radio, Changing Hearts with Christ. And we're interviewing the Department of Corrections Commissioner, Tom Roy. Now, Tom, um, maybe you can tell us maybe a little bit more of the personal side of how you decided to work with the gov- with Governor Dayton. Maybe tell us that, that little story. Well, eight years ago about, uh, I was a very happily employed corrections director in Duluth, Minnesota. And I was, I am not a political person at all. And uh, I happened to get a call from the governor's search committee and they had heard of the work that we were doing in Duluth and uh, some stories about me, I guess. And I was offered an opportunity to interview with the search committee and Governor Dayton. And during the final interview with Governor Dayton, he asked me one question that really 
basically sealed the deal for me because mm-hmm. I, I was uncertain if I was interested in the job or not. Okay. And the governor's uh, not too far into the interview asked me, he said, uh, Mr. Roy, what gives you hope? And that was an easy question for me to answer because Mm. I had visited why I was doing this work many, many times. And I answered him very directly, and my answer was, Governor, what gives me hope is that people can change, that we can't judge them by their worst day. That's right. And that resonated with him. Uh, The governor is also, I think, through some of his personal experience, accepted that people can change. Mm-hmm. And in the probation and parole world, I was blessed with seeing that. And unfortunately, many prison staff don't have that available to them. Hmm. When people walk in the door, they don't know their previous history. When they walk out the door, that's sometimes the last time they see them. But in the probation and parole world, when you live and work in the same community, it is, uh, and I was blessed, I say it, absolutely, I was blessed by seeing people come out of some very dark places in terms of addiction, in terms of their behaviors, and I saw them succeed as human beings. I saw them restore their lives. I saw their families improve, and when you see it, you believe it. Mm-hmm. And it some days it's rare to see. I'll admit right, that right. it's a struggle, but I keep going back to those folks that I know have changed, and uh, and I bump into them in my hometown. I still live in northern Minnesota, and when I bump into them at Menards or the grocery store, and they pull me aside sometimes. And, and say, do you remember me? And those experiences are, are so meaningful to me because then they want to tell me what's happened since I saw them. That's wonderful. We love hearing those stories. I don't know if you could tell us a short uh, testimonial story of someone like that. You could even change the name if you want. You sure. don't have to give so, the, the real name. But I mentioned Menards. And a few months ago I was in the, in the line on a Saturday morning and uh, a young, well, he looked like a young man compared to me. He came up to me and he said, you're Mr. Roy, aren't you? And I, you never know in corrections how to answer that, by the way. I said, yep, I am. And he said, do you remember me? And, and I didn't remember him by his looks. And he says, I'm Jimmy. And he gave me his last name. And he, he went on to tell me that uh, his life is really changed since the last time I saw him. Mm. And he was so proud of his, in the way he told me, he said, I'm now a contractor. I've got my own business. And that's my wife over there. And he was a couple aisles over. And he said, we have three kids and they all work for me. Wow. And life is really, really good. And that was music to my ears. And it, it validated uh, all the decades. And it's just been a, those stories of inspiration are are very very meaningful, and they keep me going. And, and I'm going to miss it. Mm. Hopefully, years from now, 
some will come and visit me in the old folks' home. And, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll all come. We'll bring me, a, bring me a piece of pie or something. Right, right. This has just been remarkable and just a quick thought because it always goes quickly. Yes. But answer to prayers, Tom, because what I wanted folks to hear today is the heart of the Department of Corrections. Yes. And we talked about that, just the humanity. And, and I know it's a hard place to work, and we talked about how tough it is to it work is there. But place. your humanity, uh, the humanity of the people within prison and in the recovery community. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I just want to say, folks, uh, join us. Yes. Like water, we seek our own level. Find a place to join us. You'll I be guess amazed. we got to close in prayer quick. I guess it's time. you, Pastor. Hey, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to talk with Tom. And I just pray that people might feel led to get involved and help out in their local jails and prisons. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you.